Hey everyone, how's it going? Adrian here. I would like to welcome you back to another special interview for But Why Though. Today I'm joined by New York bestselling author, powerlifter, cosplayer, nerd extraordinaire, and the author of Shadows Rising, the new tie-in novel for the upcoming World of Warcraft expansion, Shadowlands, Madeline Rue. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. So I just kind of want to just jump right into it. Um, I got to review your book for our website. And I thought it was fantastic. Uh, both the printed version and the audiobook were both fantastic. And um, just wanted to just jump right into it. What got you into Warcraft and why have you stayed connected to this franchise for so long? Sure. Um, so it's been part of my life for, for so, so long. Um, my older brothers got me into gaming and uh, I would, I remember I used to wait until they would like go out with their friends and I would sneak under their computer and play the old RTS Warcraft games. And I had no idea what was going on. I was terrible at it, but I just, there was something about the colors and the aesthetic that were so appealing to me. Um, I loved like, you know, when you would click on the little guys and they would talk to you and uh, it was just enchanting to me. So that was sort of my first introduction to the world. And then um, I would say I got into the MMO a little bit after launch. It was before Burning Crusade. But um, yeah, I, I was dating a, a someone at the time and he I saw him playing and I was like, oh my God, that's, that's World of Warcraft. You have a computer that can run that? <laughs> so amazed. And um, yeah, he was like, yeah, let's, uh, let's get you an account. Let's, let's get it all set up. So then I was, I mean, I was hooked. That was, that was it. So um, I raided pretty seriously, you know, 40 man raids. My, my first ever character was a night elf rogue. And then I switched to Druid, and that's still my main to this day is, is Night Elf Druid. But um, yeah, and I played on and off ever since. Um, I think the, I don't know, I just love the, the evolving story. I love seeing these characters that we've known for so long, seeing them go on this really incredible journey. And I feel like so few games, you really get to see that, right? Because, you know, if you play an RPG or something, it's like 40 hours of content, and then you're done, and then you never kind of see those characters again. But seeing a character evolve over, I don't know, 20 years is so incredible. It's like, it's such a, it's such a weird, unique experience. So I think that's what keeps me coming back is these characters that are super iconic and they're not static, you know, they're, they're constantly evolving and changing. And I think that's what really keeps me hooked. Yeah, that's fantastic. And now you're a character in the game. What does that feel like? <laughs> it's so surreal. It's so surreal. Um, I, I honestly, I get like, almost um like hot like hot all over my body when I think about it because it's so crazy and weird um but yeah it's it's super cool it's um it's so funny because it never even occurred to me that that was a possibility you know what I mean you you get a job like this and you're like oh this is so cool I get to sort of make my mark on this franchise and it'll always be there I just it never even occurred to me that like someone would put me in the game so uh yeah it's super cool yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, did you have any say on like what the character looked like? I know you said that you, you made a druid, you played a rogue, um, or did they just like, hey, we, we put you in the game, here you go. No, I didn't get any say, but honestly, they could have made me like, you know, a battle pet fly in a zone that was impossible to get to and I would have been happy so uh yeah I would I'll take anything and it, it is really cool you know I I'm in the beta so I got to go see her and freak out um I posted a little video on my Twitter of me seeing her for the first time and um yeah no she's really cool she's this eight foot gladiator she's super super strong and and she clearly works out and I'm a I'm a lifter so that she's like what I feel like I am on the inside <laughs> she's she's how I feel at the gym personified into a into a person 
It's fantastic. Seems like they really knew uh, how to push you in the game the way you wanted. <laughs> Without you. even asking, that's fantastic. Uh, so let's just jump into a little bit um, on Shadows Rising. So uh, we mentioned at the top that you're a New York bestselling author, primarily from your work with your Asylum series. I'll preface this and anyone who's listened to the podcast or like listened or seen anything I've written on the website, I am not a horror person. I don't like it. It makes me scared. <laughs> so I have not personally read um, anything from the Asylum series, but being like, you know, a big time horror author, like what drew you to this project for Warcraft and how does that inform on how you went about writing Shadows Rising? Um, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I saw a lot of speculation when it got announced that I was doing the book that this was going to be, you know, the scary Warcraft book. But um, I'm interested in all kinds of genres. I sort of uh, stumbled into writing horror. I never meant to stay there forever. And, and now finally, actually, I'm sort of branching out and, and doing, you know, sci-fi and now fantasy. Um, and I've just always been interested in blending genres. I think Asylum is one of my few books that's really just nested in horror itself. And, you know, it's really classic. It's, you know, kind of spooky haunted basement stuff <laughs> for, for teenagers. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, I think maybe the thought was less, well, it's Shadowlands, it's, you know, the afterlife, it's spooky. I think, the reason more that I've sort of picked for this project is the work I did for them with the Traveler series. I think that was sort of the segue um, because I came in and, and finished out the third book in that in that middle grade series. And I, I think it was just the chemistry that we had that that really worked. And, and I loved working with the team and they knew I could hit the deadlines and things like that. So I think that was sort of the more the precursor. But that said, <laughs> there are some pretty spooky parts in Shadows Rising. And I, I mean, I've heard from people that they're like, I can tell that you were really like flexing there, you know, because that's sort of where you've been working the most in recent years. And yeah, and I think that's accurate. I think I was definitely, um, I think I had the skills that were primed, you know, for those sort of scarier sections about the Maw and um, some of the more uh, gruesome, violent sections, not super violent, but you know what I mean? A little, a little scarier at parts. So yeah, I think that that definitely helped, but I don't think the... I don't think that was like a huge factor in the decision-making for me uh, doing this project. Well, I will say the mod did, did scare me a little bit. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, mean, like, I have that kind of imagine. The reason why I don't watch scary movies or like read scary stuff is because I, I just like picture it vividly and the mod doesn't seem like a place I want to go. So no, it's thank you for the nightmares on that <laughs> one. And then it just even, even down to like your descriptions of like Apari and, you know, the way her blood tick eats you know things it's you you definitely have that knack of like making stuff a little bit a little bit of a little bit a little bit spooky a little but gross. it works so yeah. well with <laughs> the aesthetic of everything that's going on in the book thank you uh so just kind of building off of that since you had to i imagine you had to match your novel based on points that they wanted you to hit for the shadowlands expansion um but despite all of that despite all the stuff that they had you have to put in there um what are some of like the most fulfilling things about adding lore to this series? Uh, I, I mentioned Apari. I think she's fantastic. I can't wait to see cosplays of her at BlizzCon whenever we get oh to, you know, have that would them make again. Me, that would make me crazy if I got to see that. That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what's um, that like? Like, what's like, what's the most fulfilling part about that? Like, what, what goes into that process? And, you know, did you get to do, was there something that you got to do that you're like, yes, I'm glad I got to do this and something that maybe you wanted to do, but they're like, oh, that's, we can't do that. Um, you know, I think just getting to do it at all is incredible, right? And getting to do the Traveler book was amazing. And then getting to do this was amazing. And I think for me, it's really 
there's such a joy in sort of being a fan of something for so long and feeling like you kind of know what makes it tick and really appreciating what makes it tick and then getting to take that knowledge and that sort of emotional connection and try to try to build off of it um it's such a rare experience it's um it's really unusual to get to do that right to sort of feel really connected to something and close it's not yours <laughs> necessarily but then it sort of gets to be yours for a tiny bit i don't know it's a it's a really unique experience but um building a pari was incredible i really wanted my my goal with her was you know i spent a ton of time replaying um, the Zandalari storyline and just paying attention really closely to just the feeling of everything and the characters and how that story was built and kind of all the gears that made it work. And I really, my goal was to make sure that, you know, some people would maybe be like, wait a minute, was she in the game and I missed her? <laughs> you know, like that was my goal was to make it feel like she was maybe part of one of those storylines or a part of a side quest and you just kind of blink and you'll miss it kind of thing but she was there all along that was what I wanted to make her feel really a part of the world and and same with everything I did um I think on a more kind of broad level I think I wanted to kind of tweak the way that we experience the world because my preferred writing style is very close to the character you really get sorry my dogs are being noisy <laughs> you no really worries. get uh, you really get in their thoughts right you're really close to them at all points and you're you're seeing what they're seeing you're thinking what they're thinking you're feeling what they're feeling and so for me it was a really cool opportunity to sort of like lift the veil on these super iconic larger than life characters and kind of make them feel more um realistic and more like right there with you so uh, yeah, that was that was more of a, like a larger stylistic thing that I was interested in doing. Um, obviously, the Jarek chapter <laughs> that was that was my invention, and I'm very pleased that that wound up in the book. Um, that was sort of that was sort of the, a compromise that we reached. I wanted to go a little further. I was like, what if we have Anduin get a tattoo? <laughs> like uh, that involves the art department. I was like, oh, okay, we could let's compromise. So no permanent changes, just a little, just a little boot polish that washes out. But uh, yeah, so that was really cool. That was a really like you know a big swing that I took. That I'm, I'm glad they were they were interested in keeping. So yeah, I think it's fantastic, and I'm sure there was thousands of people trying to claim Apari and Jarek all over. Well, good uh, luck, because I have them on my server. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Did you do that in advance, knowing that this might happen? Uh, I did with Jarek. Uh, it was actually taken on one server before the book came out, so someone must have just like thought it was a, a good name, um, so kudos to that person. Uh, Apari, no. I actually, the, I, the only one I claimed was Jarek, and then I waited, and I was just lucky that Apari was still there. But I've already had people send me uh, screenshots of them rolling, like, Yuka and Apari, and, and sort of all the little side characters on their on their server, so that's cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and, and in that, right, like, you, you, you do a lot of, like, great things about fleshing out these characters. We've known these characters for decades at this point, and you've done... Uh, so fleshing out, I, which really strikes me is what we see with Flynn um, and Shaw. Like that relationship, I think is like fantastic, and I hope it grows into something the most beautiful thing ever. Um, in <laughs> in that too. respect, so I know me that. Too. I mean, I don't I don't get on those kind of things like on on the internet, but I'm sure that there's people who are pushing back against that um, ideal. But I think that they've been kind of like hinting at it for a while. Um, was that something that you flesh out on your own, or was that something that they've always been kind of going to with having that? that relationship? 
No, you know, the the sort of decision to be more inclusive and, and show greater representation in the universe, that was really a, a Blizzard mandate. That was something they were very specific about, and it's very deliberate. Um, you know, and the way we went about it was to just sort of incorporate it and not, I don't know, pause to explain it or try to, uh, like, say that this is a pivot and this is a new thing in the world, but just to sort of have it exist. And, you know, I think there's an argument for both ways, right? To sort of be like, well, maybe it deserves more of a direct sort of to the audience. Like, this is a thing now. This is this is a, you know, a change that we're making to the lore. Um, but we just decided to incorporate it and make it feel like it's just part of the world. So um, Flynn and Shaw was absolutely 100%, you know, down from on high <laughs> Blizzard saying, you know, part of your job in this book is to, is to, you know, make them get together, you know, show their relationship blossoming so that, you know, it's sort of the launch pad for, a, for their relationship. And, uh, and then the sort of other smaller touches like the Zandalari brides and then mm -hmm. the, the man at the beginning in the prologue. Uh, who lost his partner those were things i just wanted to do to just sort of build out that sense of okay if we're saying this is part of the world now then it sh really should be you know and it should just be something that's sort of woven into the fabric of the book yeah i think you did it in a really great way as well because those are the other relationships i was going to ask about as well if um those were your design or again from a pot on high but i think you you weave them in very well and it's not like it's something that we see enough in the actual game so i'm hoping that that's something is that's fleshed out a little bit more because when he's in the cell and he's talking about, you know, what, what he hopes happens, I think it's like a very beautifully written. And I think that really just speaks to your, like you mentioned at the beginning, you're not just a horror writer, like you have interest in other things. And that romance really comes out for you specifically in that point of the story. And I just really, really enjoyed that part. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, obviously the other touches that are in the book, those are, those were all signed off on, right? Like nothing in this book is something that I like slid in there slyly. It's all, it's all something that was approved. So um, yeah, I think they were just sort of, oh yeah, that makes sense. Let's just, you know, anywhere we can kind of make this feel more a part of the world is a good thing. And I, fr from the very little I've been able to see of the beta, I do think there is more of that just sort of incorporated into the storytelling, which I'm really pleased with. So um, yeah, I think we're in like phase zero, right? <laughs> and this book is phase zero of this sort of new era in storytelling with representation for Blizzard. And I think, you know, Shadowlands is more, you know, phase one sort of, so. Well, congratulations on being on the ground of phase one. You do it really <laughs> Thank well. you. I feel very, very lucky that I got to be part of that. Very privileged. So kind of in that same vein um, of you taking these characters who have been around for a long time and it's kind of, you know, you're, even if you have like mandates on like what's supposed to happen with those characters, you still have to give them a voice, you still have to give them a personality. So uh, what goes into your preparation of being able to manage so many characters? Because there are so many characters in this book, you know, the later you go on in the Warcraft series of books, you have more characters to do. You even give Zappy yeah. Boy like... He, I'm, not, I'm an Alliance player. And I just want to like be Zappy Boy like in real life because he's so great. Like how did, how did, what goes into your preparing to write so many of those characters and give themselves distinct personalities, but also give them that growth in your, in your novel? It's a lot of research. I got to be honest. It's a lot of research. You know, even, even if you think you know this universe really well, um, this is, it's a lot harder than I think 
some people might assume because you are chapter to chapter sliding into a completely different brain <laughs> and everything that comes with that, right? Their, what they would notice, what they remember, their past, their traumas, their hopes, their dreams. It's a lot to sort of hold all at once. And, but for me, that's the joy of it. It's, it's sort of this, you know, going to work and um, getting to sort of mimic these incredibly iconic characters, you know, these sort of titans in this game. And for me, it, you know, even some of the ones I thought I knew really well, I still went back and looked through all their wikis and watched YouTube videos, you know, with, you know, everything that's ever happened to Thrall in 15 minutes, right? <laughs> and like those sorts of things to just get a refresher. Uh, so, you know, whoever I was sort of working on that day, I would sit down and just run through those kinds of things, you know, watch some of their cutscenes to get the cadence of how they speak and the tone that they kind of have. Um, I like to be able to sort of hear the lines in their voices because that to me is a really good judge of whether or not it feels true. Um, a character like Bon Somdi, for example, is super easy to write in some ways because you know immediately whether or not it's something he would say because you can just hear it in his super iconic voice. Um, but yeah, it is a ton of research and, and it's frustrating in a way because you can't, um, you can't give a backstory on every single person right before they come on screen, right? You can't pause and be like, here's a previously on for Illyria <laughs> Windrunner, even though she's most of the stuff that's happened to her is off screen. And unless you pay attention to supplemental material and audio dramas and comic books, like you won't 100% know what her deal is. So yeah, it's a lot. And at a certain point, you sort of have to accept like, okay, there's no way I can wedge every single thing she's ever done into, you know, a sort of catch up moment for her. So you just sort of have to pick the things that are relevant to whatever's happening in that scene and hope that that sort of makes them feel um, realistic and, and fleshed out. So yeah, it's, um, it is a lot of research, even, even if you, <laughs> even if you're a big fan of this game, you know, cause there are blind spots for everybody. Like there are certain characters that I don't know as well. So I had to, you know, spend some time doing my, doing my homework. Gotcha. And I think in that kind of same realm, um, you're balancing a lot. You're balancing the horde. You're balancing the lions. You're about balancing, you know, Par, the Zandalari, you know, um, Wind Windrunner and crew. And throughout the whole book, I couldn't find myself like hating somebody. Right? I think it's like easy in books to be like, all right, I'm going to root against this person <laughs> the entire book, and I hope that they don't win. But I couldn't find that really, even with the things with the. Uh, Nathaniel's Blightcaller. I'm not a big Sylvanas Windwinter fan. I hope that we get to kill her in Shadowlands. Um, but I sympathize like with his character throughout the entire book. And I think that just really speaks to your ability to kind of balance all of these characters in a, in a really phenomenal way. And I was just curious, um, how difficult was that? Because you have people who are diehard Alliance fans, diehard Horde fans who don't play any other characters. But as for me, who's primarily Alliance player with some Horde experience, I couldn't hate anybody in this book. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, that's a compliment because I don't approach any character with the intent of, um, if, they're, if they're a POV character, you know, we get to be in their head. I don't approach any character as a villain in that sense because no one's really thinking of themselves as the villain when they're, when they're doing things. So um, even if you disagree with their actions and, and who they are and, and their values or something like that, I think it's still worthwhile to at least understand where they're coming from. And, 
you don't have to like them. You don't have to, you know, sympathize with them necessarily. But I look at it more as, okay, but their actions should make sense with where they've come from, what they've experienced, and what they're trying to accomplish. So that's how I approach every character that I'm going to do as a as a point of view. Um, and for me, you know, it's it's so interesting because I play Horde and Alliance, and I am constantly <laughs> mystified by the reactions I see of people who are just so so angry about like I hate this character I want to kill this character because to me I'm a fan of the story of World of Warcraft and to me that narrative spans all sides <laughs> and so I look at it much more as like oh we're telling the story of the world we're not just telling the story of a faction I mean you couldn't do that right because people get so angry if they feel like you know Alliance is getting kind of ignored or the hordes getting ignored so to me my approach is okay we're telling the story of this world and that means you know you kind of can't take a side in a way so um yeah that's not to say that like unanimously everything Nathanos does or Savatis does is good obviously not they've they've done terrible things but um you know but I don't want to present that when I'm in their head as them realizing that necessarily right that just doesn't that just doesn't make sense to me so um yeah and you know it's so funny because my inbox and my Twitter mentions it's like half and half it's people being like oh I love Nathanos like I'm so glad he's in this book and the other half is like oh I hate that guy I can't wait to kill him so you really see that like there's the the best way to approach it again right is just to like okay I'm just gonna make him do what he does and try to get you to understand it again not not necessarily justifying <laughs> behavior but um to me it's like a explanation is not justification is sort of the way the way that i approach it but um yeah it's a it's just a way to sort of again tell the the story of the world not necessarily the story of the horde or the story of the alliance yeah i think you you nailed that um, just a quick aside before I move on to the next part. What tattoo would you like Anduin to get? Because I'm just really stuck on uh, <laughs> you wanting to give Anduin a tattoo, and I need to know. <laughs> just like a giant well, lion. Or like, yeah, what, I was, what was I was, I was really, um, I was these poor, these poor Blizzard employees. They're so, they're so kind to me. Um, I was really, I was like, what if he got a huge lion right across his chest? How cool would that be? That would be so, so neat. And they were like, um, well, okay, let's talk about this. Maybe it could be something smaller and like maybe on his arm. And then, you know, and we, we like kind of went back and forth. And then finally, you know, the, the ultimate decision was just, no, we just, we can't risk it. So, uh, yeah, but I was, you know, my, see my approach in all these things is always like, go big or go home, right? Like take a big swing. I'd rather take a big swing and have it be amazing than kind of just do nothing. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, I was, well, uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> I was maybe lobbying the for fic. the big lion. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the fanfic, maybe at the BlizzCons, we'll see just like a giant lion Anduin yeah. with just flowing golden hair. That's going to be great. <laughs> uh, to speak not necessarily about kind of the written part, but um, I, I did both. I read the written for the website, and then I went ahead and listened to the audiobook because I think you know the audiobooks are done really well for the Warcraft series, and this one was fantastic. Um, how did it feel to... To have her, uh, Susan, who is fantastic, um, give voice and accent to the characters you spent, you know, a year writing about. Um, it was really cool. It was also really hard because I knew um, probably like two months before the book came out and people just kept asking <laughs> and making predictions and then they would guess and be so sure that they were right and they were wrong and you have to just have a poker face about it. Um, 
but it was really cool. And I was super excited. I just thought, you know, the trolls are such a huge part of this book. Talanji is arguably sort of the main character. It just makes sense to go with Susan. And, you know, she has such an iconic take on the trolls and, you know, that accent can be really tricky to nail. So it's just, I just thought it was the right, the right choice. Um, also, I love that. I think a lot of people don't know that she's British. So <laughs> she's like, you've got this great, like classic, gorgeous British accent, and then just seamlessly, you know, right into the troll accent. Um, but yeah, she's really, she's super sweet. She reached out to me privately and was just so lovely. And I was trying not to fangirl because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of her. So yeah, it was just, uh, just really fulfilling. And I was really glad that, that she was the one we, that we went, that we went with in the end. Awesome. I love to hear that. It sounds like a wonderful moment. Um, so just to kind of wrap up our kind of conversation about the book specifically. So when writing this novel, you're following like the likes of Christy Golden and, you know, other really, really great authors for the series um, with this book and the fact that you're getting so much with it. You know, we've talked about the representation part. We've talked about you. Um, we haven't talked about you being like a really great filler for the series. I think this is probably one of the best filler books. Like I don't, I think people who read this are going to be more excited for the game. People who don't read it are going to be fine and aren't going to, miss out I think that's like a part that's brutally been missing but with all of that do you feel like you're kind of being handed the torch to kind of carry on the series of books or is it something that you kind of can't talk about I have no idea I really I mean I would love to do more books for them like 100% I've been very been very clear that if they would like to have me back I would be thrilled so um yeah I think it's hard too because you know these sort of big bridging expansion books don't come along all that often. So I don't really know when they'll need me again if they want me. So uh, yeah, I can't really answer that. Um, I mean, it's been cool. It's been interesting. It's obviously comes with its own set of challenges because I love Christy. I'm a huge fan of hers. But at the end of the day, we're, we're not the same writer and we, we do have quite different styles. So, you know, I think it's been a bit of a challenge for some people to <laughs> to adjust to my to my style because it is different but um yeah no i mean it's been uh, you know she she's been delightful everyone um you know on the team has been delightful about it so uh yeah i i don't really know if <laughs> if i'm coming back i would i would love to though yeah and kendra's on that like how was your approach to this this filler um as an anime fan and as a fan of like expanded universe for star wars and things like that i love filler but i think like really good good filler is filler that can work for you know fans who want that and for fans who don't want that they're not going to miss out and i think that your book really kind of hits that natural kind of you know filler where people aren't going to miss things that happen in this part uh what was your approach to that yeah, I mean, it's it's really strange because it's so opposite the way that I approach my own work, you know, when it's like a, just a standalone novel. I mean, you have to you have to get so much done. You, ha you know, it's plot, plot, plot. It's big, huge moments, you know, like, you know, oh, okay, end of act one, this has to happen. This character dies. Like, you can really um, push as hard as you want. And in something like this, you know, you're handed kind of a difficult task because, um, you know, I, I remember one of the, the first meetings I had with everyone on the phone, I just said, you know, listen, I know this book can't be essential, but how do we make it feel essential? How do we make it feel like an experience you really want to have? And that's kind of my approach with all IP work. That's sort of the question I pose every time I get brought onto a project like this, because um, I, 
I totally understand the people who do not want to have to like read a full novel to understand what's happening in the video game, right? Like I, I get it. And, but I also see the other side of that, which is there's so much more you can do in a novel. You have so much more time. You can go so much deeper in depth. Um, there's, there's just a different approach that you can take. So, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to make it feel exciting and gripping and compelling while still being aware, right, that you can't kill off any major characters. <laughs> you can't, you know, you can't kind of do the things that you would do if it was just your sandbox and your universe. So it's a really interesting challenge because that's just not the way you write other books. And I think it's easy to sort of criticize something like that and say, oh, well, what's the point? And the point is, well, if you don't want to read it, you don't have to, <laughs> and you can go play Shadowlands and be perfectly fine, right? But if you want sort of a little more, or you really love the characters that happen to be in this book, or you're just a lore fanatic or whatever, there are definitely, you know, little nuggets in here that will foreshadow things that are coming in, in Shadowlands and kind of shed light early on, on some things that might be that might be happening. So yeah, you know, it's... um. I, it's a hard question to answer because, oh, boys, sorry, they're wrestling again. <laughs> it's okay. We love dogs here, so no worries. I, I know. This is just, this is the life. Um, yeah, it's, it's a hard question to answer because uh, it's, I, I almost like flinch when you call the book filler. I have to be honest. That like hurts my soul a little bit because to me, I'm like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's totally meaningful. It just might not be meaningful in the sense that it's big plot. It's big action. To me, it's, um, getting to know these characters better, getting inside their head, seeing this blossoming relationship for Flynn and Shaw, which I hope becomes, you know, a pretty, pretty big storyline. Um, seeing some big foreshadowing with like Anduin and Illyrian Trellian that, you know, I think will have a payoff later on. Um, but yeah, but you know, I think, but I do think you're right, even if it does make me wince, <laughs> you know, it is filler in many ways, and intentionally so, because in the past, people have been angry that, you know, that the books are, like, you have to read the pre-cataclysm book, right, to, like, get what's going on, things like that. So, uh, yeah, we were diving into this with the intention of saying, okay, this can't be absolutely 100% necessary to understand Shadowlands, but how do we make it kind of a treat and, and something really special for, for the lore fanatics out there? Yeah, please, please don't. Uh, when I say filler, I love filler. Like Dragon I know, Ball but when Z. it shows up in a review, trust me, it's not being used nicely. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Like, you know, Goku learning how to drive with Piccolo, one of my favorite filler episodes of all time. So I'm, I'm all about it. Um, but you just, and, and I think tie-in is like a much better word for sure, uh, because we get a lot of things with um, Anduin and what's going on with the Night Elves and things like that. So it's definitely in that tie-in aspect for me, for sure, where when I see these characters in game, I'm going to be thinking about, you know, wow, like, remember when you know, they went to Thrall one over there and he got you know, punked out? Like, yeah, yeah that's, that's going to stick with me for sure. I think the way I, I looked at it was, okay, can we, how much emotional and psychological growth can we have when, because we can't have like plot growth, right? We can't totally re like change the chessboard here but how do we maybe you know give some of these characters a little bit of an arc like i would say talanji grows quite a bit in this book oh, yeah, right sure. so um yeah and i think like uh Bonsamdi, you get a really different understanding of him um zakan obviously i think he finally gets to sort of shine and, and be fleshed out 
uh, more as characters. So there's definitely meat here, but I would say it's much more on the sort of um, emotional, psychological end of things. Definitely not, you know, oh, wow, look, now the state of the world is, is completely changed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the psychological piece is definitely there, even with people who we don't see a whole lot. Like, Karandi's like, stuff, she is upset. She is yeah. big mad. <laughs> um, and we kind of, like, haven't really seen her for a while. So being able to, like, see her again and see, like, how just deeply angry she is um, and your descriptions of her anger when Thrall was, like, looking at her is just great. And I think you do, you do add that psychological aspect to it that if people want to feel – I think if people want to feel – I mean, I don't – I'm not going to say anything's required reading, but I feel like it's kind of required reading because I feel like there's a lot of emotional points that are going to hit in this next expansion that are going to be heightened by what you uh, were able to provide. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it'll be, it'll be, I'll be curious to see people's sort of um, reflection on the book after some of the stuff that happens in Shadowlands, because uh, from the little bit I've seen of Beta, you know, Taronda specifically, some things that happened with her early on, I'm like, oh, this is cool because the book really sets this up nicely, right? You know, it, it feels like there's a really natural segue or sort of where Nathanos ends up in the book is with his, like his dynamic with Sylvanas. I think that's actually going to be very interesting <laughs> for for what what I know is coming in in the in the expansion so um yeah so there's definitely I think it, it I think it enhances the experience um but it you definitely won't like you know have no idea what's going on <laughs> if you skip it great well that's kind of all the questions I had about the book prof proper um and with our last couple of minutes I just wanted to, wanted to ask just some fun questions about kind of like your favorite characters and um like some what-if scenarios, if, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, so we kind of already talked about this one a little, but I kind of did you, wanted to hear you explain it, uh, expand on it a little bit more. As a cosplayer with some really great cosplays out there, uh, how do you feel about potentially seeing an Apari or, um, you know, a Jarek or XYZ character at a convention whenever we can, you know, go back outside? Right, whenever, whenever, this, uh, whenever we return to normal life. Um, I don't, I mean, I've had people cosplay my characters sort of from my books. It's it's only happened once or twice. It's always surreal. Um, I would just be so excited because I, you know, I'm a big cosplay nerd. I would just be like, oh my gosh, how, like, I want to see your vision. I want to see, you know, because I think both of them, they get a description, but I don't, you know, I don't think I 100% say every detail. So I would be so like intrigued to see how they interpreted everything. And honestly, I would just be, I would just be nerding out because it's it's honestly the coolest the coolest thing ever. I'm hoping I'll be in game and I'll run into an Apari. I would I would definitely laugh. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, so out of all the characters in this ridiculous world of Warcraft lore, who's your favorite? Um, your favorite character? Oh, I oh man, picking an overall favorite is so hard. I'm I'm a big Taronda fan. I'm a big Jaina fan, and I'm a big. Illidan fan and big Thrall fan. I think those are oh and, I, and like Arthas slash Lich King. That would those would be my my tops. Um, I think that is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I know you're a big power lifter. Uh, I follow you on Twitter, so sometimes when you're posting your pictures of you going to work out, I'm like, man, I need to get up and go <laughs> do some deadlifts uh, so I can be like Madeline when I grow up. If you can go powerlifting with one World of Warcraft character, who would it be? Um, oh, this is funny. I answered this on a different podcast. So I actually kind of have one set up. Um, okay, so if I wanted to like show off, I would go with Jaina because I think I could probably outlift her as long as she didn't <laughs> use any magic. 
Um, I think mages, in as a general rule, kind of just rely on their magic. I don't think they're like out there doing burpees. Um, but if I wanted to like learn something, I think I would probably go with Rolf because he's he's pretty shredded. Um, I, he does like those farm workouts, you know, because that's what he's up to, you know, before he gets roped into politics again. Yeah, I think one of those two. I like it. I like both of those answers because I also <laughs> like to flex on people, but also you need someone to push you. So it's like, a, those... like, you know, Taronda, I think she could totally probably outlift me. She looks, you know, she looks, like I would she just be out. scared. I would just be scared to lift near her. Like, yeah. 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 And you know, and I think, you know, yeah, I think she, I think she works out and I think Druids too, like Melfier and they, they always look really shredded. I think they, they're just like strong in general, maybe from turning into bears and stuff. But um, yeah, I would, I would probably go with Jaina. Maybe I could even teach her something. That would be cool. Great. So if you had to overcome one of your fears with World of Warcraft character, are you taking with you to power through it? Whether it's, you know, heights or haunted houses, who, who are you taking to be your backup? Um, oh my gosh, let's see. I really don't let, I actually have a, a pretty intense fear of deep water. Um, I almost drowned as a kid. So I, I don't like being in deep water, especially in a swimming scenario. So maybe Ashara can <laughs> get, help me get over my fear. I feel like she'd be pretty tough on me. I don't think she'd really be very nice about it. Um, but yeah, or maybe a Murloc. Maybe I, I, I loved writing Murky in the Traveler books and, and he's, he's a sweet, sweet little guy. So maybe he can teach me to swim better. Uh, I love it. And I love, uh, love Murky. One of my favorite pets <laughs> for sure. Um, so uh, our last question um, that I just wanted to ask just kind of in general, we are a pop culture website and this might be a little bit of a loaded question. So take a second if you need to think about it, but why does pop culture matter to you as a cosplayer an author, a just nerd in general? Like what, what why does pop culture matter to you? You know, it's so interesting because I think it's one of those things that can become a shorthand that really helps you connect with people. I mean, I, I think a vast majority of my best friends I've met through, you know, Star Wars, Assassin's Creed, Dragon Age. Wow. Like it, it just becomes this sort of touch point that you can really connect with other people on. And I think it's, it's so, it's such an easy way to just, you know, be out at a convention or out at a bar and you see someone, you know, with like a World of Warcraft hat and you're like, whoa, hey, no way, I play that. And then you're off to the races, right? And you just would not have otherwise had that connection with that person. So to me, I think that's what makes it so meaningful, you know, is it's just this way to connect. It's this way to sort of right away, you have this in common and you have something to discuss and something to talk about. And um, yeah, I think, you know, that's, it's made such a huge impact in my life because it's how I've met most of my friends. It's a big part of my job. And um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's why it's, it's meaningful to me. Fantastic answer. Thank you so much, Madeline, for being here. Um, as we wrap up, why don't you tell the people of the internet where they can find you and any big projects that you might have coming up in the near future? Sure. Yeah. Um, you can send all your spiciest takes to at uh, authoru on twitter it's uh, a-u-t-h-o-r-o-u-x it's the same on instagram um i have a facebook fan page just search my name madeline rue and it'll come up um i think i'm the most active on twitter so if you want to get a hold of me fast that's the way to do it i also have a publicly listed email that's there so if you want to email me for any reason you can do that and um yeah, I'm pretty much just uh, promoting this right now, Shadows Rising. Go check it out if you want to get hype for Shadowlands. 
Um, I'm also in an anthology coming out uh, in September called Don't Turn Out the Lights, and it's a tribute to those scary stories to tell in the dark, <laughs> little stories with the horrible, horrifying illustrations, which, so I'm sure you've never, never read them, but. Um, yeah, we've covered uh, it, we've covered it for the podcast, that's uh, not my, not my thing. Yeah, yeah, so um, it's an incredible anthology, R.L. Stein, a whole bunch of heavy hitters are in there, so if you're into uh, horror short stories, check that out, it'll be out uh, next month. Great. Thank you so much. As always, you can find the podcast and all of the wonderful host of pop culture content at butwhythopodcast.com and at butwhythopc on all of your favorite social media platforms. And as always, you can find me at superreese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. And Madeline, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you taking some time out to talk with us. Go by Shadows Rising. It is fantastic. And look out for that scary anthology that's coming out in uh, about a month. 